are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 20th of May. What a game last night. The play-in leaves the Lakers out of the Jazz side of the bracket. This is why the one seed mattered. We'll break down what we saw from that game. Look at the Jazz route. Remind ourselves of why the Jazz are great. And hear from Quinn Snyder. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. We're inching closer to the playoffs. We now know when it will take place. The Jazz will play Sunday against either the Memphis Grizzlies or the Golden State Warriors. And the game will be at 7.30 local time. We will then play again Wednesday at seven o'clock, at 8 o'clock at night against the Memphis Grizzlies or Golden State Warriors. Both those at home. And then we go play Saturday, Monday. Quick thought on that because that's kind of the big thing. If Donovan is coming off an ankle injury, I think this is really advantageous to the Jazz. In fact... The beautiful thing about conspiracy theories is you only believe them when they go your way. So I I got a cop to one that didn't go my way. I I had said that I really expected if the Jazz played the Lakers that they would spread the series out like Sunday, Thursday, Sunday or Sunday, Thursday, Saturday, Memorial Day, like that the NBA can do their little things they want to do. This was my conspiracy theory for LeBron James to get his ankle healthy. Just in fairness, they actually have done it so that Donovan Mitchell's ankle can get healthy, which is probably not the conspiracy theory. But for all of us that are out there that are believing in conspiracy theories and want to be like, They're beautiful because you only actually believe them when you find something that backs them up. You don't actually, you just ignore it. So my theory was if we played the Lakers, we would have been Sunday. I actually thought as late as Thursday, but it doesn't seem like any second round games are happening by Thursday. And then either Saturday or then Saturday and then Monday for TV purposes. The fact is they're actually not. The Lakers got the exact opposite. The Lakers got the worst possible. They got early Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, So they actually come back and play four games in the same time period, which basically the Jazz will play three. So we actually get the advantageous schedule. I think they just did it based on TV desires so that the Lakers could have two uh, 3.30 Eastern ABC games along the way um, and some major TNT games. But for those of you that are conspiracy theorists, don't ever forget that sometimes it goes away. All right, last night's game was incredible. I, I can tell you who's not getting fired today. The guy who created the play-in. That was amazing. Edge your seat. Couldn't stop. I mean, I don't think there's been a lot of games this year where I have watched without a computer, without a second screen, without, like, I'm usually working and watching. I often watch on replay. Like, I was watching every ounce moment live. It was incredible. Uh, I thought the Lakers looked just awful for most of the night, and yet the whole time you're watching the Lakers look awful, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to play them. They're just mammoth. They're just huge. AD plays with fire every now and then. 
Uh, they're a mess in their roster construction. Uh, and when they went small with AD at the five, they get really unguardable. All those back cuts, let's LeBron conduct. When they've got Drummond or someone sitting in the middle of the lane, they're not, they're actually not good. They're just huge. Um, they're very good defensively. We didn't want to see them. We just, you know, if we're going to talk today about what makes the Jazz great, and we're going to hear from Quinn Snyder as well. Sorry, I didn't really set up the show very well. Um, but we don't have big wings. And, you know, if they go LeBron James, if they go play LeBron James at the four slash one, like Royce is guarding him, and then who's Boyan guarding? And what, like, it's just a mess. So that's not a matchup that we really wanted to see. I, I, They're not playing great. Uh, LeBron's ankle's not right. Uh, the, they do seem out of sorts. The fact that Wesley Matthews basically saved that game for them in some ways is not a great sign for them. The fact that they have three centers that are sitting on the bench at the end of games is not a great sign for them. Uh, but what's not a great sign for the rest of the league is with all those things going on and them seeming off, they won. <laughs> that's not a great sign for everyone else. Uh, Steph is simply unreal. I mean, I'm texting with coaches from college and pro and everything. Like, how do you guard him? And he he's just an unstoppable offensive force. I mean, you sit there and watch, you double, like double teaming a player at 35, 40 feet away from the basket is truly the most asinine defensive strategy you can possibly have in the NBA. Like, in high school, sure. In college, maybe. In the pros, no beeping chance. Like, it's an asinine idea. If you double someone at 35, 40 feet away from the basket, it creates a four-on-three in an open floor with shooters in each corner and basically a two-on-two in the middle of the floor. Like, you have no... It's... You're, you have no chance. It's, it's seriously, like, it's crazy to do that. It's the only defense on Steph. It's the only defense on Steph. If you don't double team him off every pick, the minute he comes across half court, he'll kill you. You blink for one second, he'll kill you. And I mean, he is incredible. It, it's I I I don't I want the Grizzlies to win so badly because Steph is so awesome and I want us to win. But what a joy it would be to watch him for probably seven games. Maybe we could get it done earlier, but I don't know. I mean, he just like if we talk about Rudy Gobert bending the basketball floor from a defensive end. Steph Curry does it from the offensive side at a remarkable level. Last night, they did every... He got nine threes off. I actually think that 10 threes is the baseline where you're starting. He starts the game going to get 10 three-point shots off in a game, and then you have to try to work to not get him any more than that. So the Lakers last night allowed him nine. He's taken nine or more threes in every single basketball game he's played since March 15th. The last time he did not take 10 threes or nine threes in a game, they lost by 31 to the Lakers. He only played 29 minutes. So in Steph Curry's, this is insane, last 
26 games, he's taken nine three-point shots a game. In his last 26 games, he's averaging 15 three attempts a game. So he's getting 10 off regardless of what you do defensively. Just with his activity, his motion, his depth, his quick trigger, the fact that you blink during the minute of a game, it, and he's going to make them. By the way, in his last 26 games, he's averaging 36 points, <laughs> six rebounds, five assists a game. He's an elite rim finisher too. The only way you can guard him if you're the Jazz, and we'll deal with this if this is our preview, you're double-teaming him without Rudy. And then Rudy's playing a one... Then you're basically playing a three-man zone behind him. So whoever they're setting the pick with, you don't want it to be Rudy. You want two other guys to double-team him. Then the pass goes to Draymond, and Draymond's conducting, and Rudy's hanging out at the rim. And you're giving up open threes to Toscana Anderson, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. You just have to. If the Warriors win, I'm going to dig in, obviously. I've got to figure that the Warriors guys recently are getting the best shot looks in the league. Uh, The best three-point shot looks in the league to me have to be coming from the Warriors right now. Because, and this is like, usually it's from us, right? Royce O'Neal is usually the guy who leads the league in quality of three-point looks. Like the best three-point looks in the league over the last years have always been Royce. When you look at their QSQ. Uh, Trent Forrest, by the way, led the league this year in his minutes because that's just simply because no one was guarding him. That's why Jay Crowder and Ricky Rubio used to lead the league. Royce does not lead the league this year, which is interesting. I'll have to run some other... Numbers just to make sure we have, you know, enough data here on players. I just kind of ran a quick search of the players that have taken the top, at least taken 100 three-point shots this year. Alex Caruso gets the best looks of anyone in the league. Josh Okogi is second. P.J. Tucker is third. Tam- Thomas Sadoransky is fourth. Ricky Rubio is fifth. And Royce O'Neal is sixth this year. Dorian Finney-Smith is seventh. Patrick Patterson, eight. Maurice Tybel is nine. And Howell Neto is ten. I would suspect that maybe some of the... Kent Bazemore is ninth that some of the Warrior players don't have 100 three-point attempts. By the way, the player with the worst QSQ in the league is Luka Doncic, followed by Terrence Ross, James Harden, Dame Lillard. These are the players, basically, who are most tightly guarded on their threes. Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry. And so the player that shoots the highest percentage above their average when they actually get their, you know, decent looks are the guys you'd expect. Durant, Joe Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Steph Curry, Joe Ingles in there. All right, that was a side note. I wasn't planning to go there. Before we uh, leave the Lakers and the Warriors game behind, I want to jump over and hear from both Locked On Warriors and Locked On Lakers. Both of them have shows out today. Both of them are amazing. So when you're done with this, go grab those. But let's go take a second and hear from the reaction from both the Lakers uh, and the Warriors in our what we call our Locked On Nows. Um, I'm trying to make sure I covered everything. Draymond, uh, we'll, I'll just keep, I'm just keep babbling on these 
Uh, but he- here's the reaction from Locked On Lakers and Locked On Warriors last night. Here's Locked On Lakers. This is Andy Kamenetsky, co-host of the Locked On Lakers podcast. And holy crap, I'm not even quite sure what I just watched. A 103-100 win by the Lakers over the Warriors, securing a seven-seed first-round matchup against the Phoenix Suns, uh, a game the Lakers seemed destined and, frankly, at times almost determined to lose. But in the last minute, with the shot clock running down, the play busted. Contavious Caldwell-Pope pushed the ball from the paint to LeBron 34 feet out with Steph Curry running towards him, and the heave went down, and it felt emblematic of a game where the Lakers were continually overcoming struggles. They were down 13 at the half. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Dennis Schroeder combined for 13 points on 4 of 28 shooting, but in the second half, they began to turn up the defense. LeBron and AD started becoming more comfortable, more productive, particularly once the Lakers went small. And they didn't necessarily play at the level of defending champs, but the bottom line, they are advancing. They have secured their playoff spot, and they are getting some much-needed rest moving forward. A lot more to get into, so make sure you are listening to, subscribing to Locked on Lakers wherever you get your podcasts. All right, that's the Laker perspective. Let's see what Wes Goldberg has to say from the Warriors perspective. Wes Goldberg from Locked On Warriors here. On one hand, really tough loss for Golden State, losing 103-100 to to the Lakers at Staples Center in the 7-8 matchup of the playing game, triggering a win-or-go-home matchup against the Grizzlies on Friday. It will be at Chase Center, fortunately enough for Golden State. On the other hand, I don't know. I was impressed by how the Warriors took on the defending champion Lakers in this game. You lose by three points because of this impossible falling-away shot from LeBron James in with less than a minute left. I mean, look, I know that the Warriors are going to be disappointed with this result, but nobody expected them to win this game. They have another chance on Friday to make it an advance into a playoff series. And given how shorthanded they have been all season, given that they were going against the Lakers team at full strength with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that they only lose by three points in the manner in which they did, I think they have to be pretty proud of the effort that they had. And I think it says a lot of Steph Curry, who scored 37 points and had to work for every single one of them, and the rest of these teammates. It feels like they are still carrying some of that momentum that they had finishing the year 15-5 and in their final 20 games. So not all bad for the Warriors, and they have another chance to get it done on Friday and get into the postseason. For more on the game and the Warriors, follow Locked On Warriors wherever you get podcasts. I left that game thinking the Warriors were as good as we thought. Like, there's nothing about that game that made me say, oh, the Warriors aren't legit. The numbers we did earlier this week on Locked on Jazz told you that the Warriors were totally legit. Um, so I, I've, I find myself uh, feeling as though, at least statistically, four great teams in the Western Conference playoffs, the Jazz, Clippers, Lakers, Warriors, likely our route, by the way, uh, is going to be Warriors, Clippers, Lakers to get through this thing. I think the quick take, I'll, I'll take the Blazers, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Jazz in the first round. And your second round is Blazers, Lakers, Lakers, Jazz, Clippers, hopefully Jazz, and then Jazz, Lakers is probably the route. Uh, that should bring some joy to you, all of that, because this show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. All right, Jazz, uh, why are the Jazz great? I thought it'd be fun to just kind of have a little... You probably know. You have your reasons. I'm going to run back through why all the things I think the Jazz are great. And then I thought Quinn Snyder and I's coaches show to end the year was really interesting, so I want to share that with you as well. It's all coming up uh, as we continue on today's Locked On Jazz, which is brought to you in part by Grip6.com. 
Com. My friends over at Grip6 do amazing work. It's a Utah company with the best belts, wallets, and socks around. The I love getting, I've been getting some tweets recently from people saying, all right, I did Grip6, and it is amazing. I'm not making this stuff up, people. No, I love Grip6 belts. The honeycomb belt is my favorite. It's right on the front page right now. It's a $49 belt. You get the buckle and the strap, and then if you buy other straps and buckles, the bu- they're interchangeable. So you can buy one of the combo packs, end up with three buckles, three straps, and next thing you know, you've got yourself a combination. That comes out to nine different belts you can wear. Get the brown, get the black, get the silver. That's kind of in navy blue. Those are the four straps I have, and then I have four or five different buckles, and I'm set. Engineered without holes or flaps or bulks, unlimited lifetime warranty, quality craftsmanship, made well, and looks good. You can play them up. You can play them down. You can play around with the different colors to get your golf belts. It's all set. It's grip6.com. Promo code locked on gets you 15% off at grip6.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Rock Auto. Rock Auto, where the do it yourselfers and the professionals get treated the exact same. So you can get the price on whatever you need. There's no need to go out to the brick and mortar store and get limited to their inventory and their price structure based on the same way airlines do where with a lower uh, stock, they push up the prices. Rock Auto is a family business serving auto part customers for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers and see always reliably low prices, always the same prices for do-it-yourselfers as professionals and amazing selection. The catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, kind of an old school site that just lets you get to where you get to, no flash. It's not what Rock Auto is about. Quickly see all the parts your car will ever need. Choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Please, when you check out, write Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section so they know who sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Locked on Lakers and Locked on Warriors. We just heard from both of them, and they're both amazing shows today, so make sure you grab that. Locked on Sun should be interesting. Locked on Grizzlies should be interesting. This is where the Locked on Podcast Network local experts kill it. Uh, we haven't touched on the Grizzlies-Spurs game uh, much. Um, the Grizz came out early, blasted them. The Spurs worked their way back, and then late in the game, the Grizzlies just kind of made the plays they had to make. They kept DeMar DeRozan under control. He went just 5-21. of 21. Uh, The Spurs shot just 35%. The Grizzlies really got after it defensively. Uh, I thought some of the minute distribution was really interesting. Like, all year long, Taylor Jenkins has been kind of, you know, playing different minutes. All of a sudden, last night, John Morant's 41. Valanchunas was a beast. 23 points, 23 rebounds last. Dylan Brooks is 40. Kyle Anderson's 32. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s 31. Huge jam followed by him on a play. Um, and then Desmond Bain played 25. I mean, they came pretty close to playing like a six or seven man rotation. Had it pretty thin last night uh, and and wrote it. And when Valanchunas was on the floor last night, they dominated. They were plus 26 when Valanchunas was on the floor, plus 20 when John Morant was on the floor. You know what? I don't think they can beat the Warriors, but the Warriors have are have been riding... You know, there's a that whatever it is, either of those teams is going to be wasted by the time they get to Salt Lake on Sunday, and that's why the one seed was so important. We talked about you knew you got the most rest till Sunday. The team you were playing will have played twice. These are all the reasons why. When I got asked on every show I ever did in Utah, like, is the one seed important? Is the one seed important? Yeah, the one seed was really important. Now it avoids the Lakers, and it gives you some rest while they are blasting each other. 
Like the Warriors Grizzlies game is going to be incredible, I think, unless one of them's just on empty already. But that's, you know, Steph Curry's going to have to run around and either he's going to get physically battled by Dylan Brooks all night. He's going to have to run around and guard Ja Morant, probably, unless they put him on Kyle Anderson to hide him. It's Draymond Green is going up against Valanchunas, who physically, like, when Rudy's finished with a Valanchunas game, I feel like he needs a three-week ice bath. So, it's a lot of parts to this matchup that I think are going to be really, really interesting. Uh, and and we'll dig into it tomorrow tomorrow to get you prepared for it on the show, as that'll be the, as that's the big game. But, you know, I don't want to ignore that game. That one was important. I, I thought San Antonio would win just in that setting, in that experience. Um, they just came out terribly, looked lifeless to start, worked their way back, and then the Grizz regained control late impressively. So, um, and the Grizz defensively were just outstanding, which is a, you know, a nerve-wracking sign if you're the Warriors. Um, but that game is sitting there at 87-85 when DeRozan makes those two free throws, and you would think that and John Morant misses both free throws. Like with 4.30 left, you kind of thought it would go the other way. Morant hits a big free throw. DeRozan answers. And then Kyle Anderson hits a monster corner three off the on John Morant's drive. Like John Morant's a beast. He's hard to guard. And they defended the heck out of DeRozan into a tough shot. And then this is the thing that Memphis did beautifully in this game was offensive rebounded late. The Jazz are going to have to be a really good defensive rebounding team late in games. That's the one area at times we struggled rebounding. And so when Brooks missed, Jonas packed the follow, um, and and that answer, really, that put him up by seven with 314 left. John Morant hits another field goal, and then uh, kind of DeJounte Murray loses one out of bounds on a bad turnover, and and the Grizzlies are going. So, uh, Grizzlies and the Warriors Friday night to see our opponent. All right, why are the Jazz great? Let's remind ourselves. I have six reasons why the Jazz are great. So, um, you know, I think that there's uh, obviously the the reason the Jazz are great is, you know, Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck did a wonderful job building the front office, and Quinn Snyder's coaching staff is amazing. But, like, just on the floor... Um, why are the Jazz great this year more than one is I think the transformation of offensive pace. Uh, the Jazz, when they were a different roster constructed with different players, were a team that played very, very heavily in the half court. We played advantage basketball. We got a pick set. We moved it around. We kept working, you know, one play after the other and, and we ended up, I think, you know, when you looked at the way we played, we got laid into shot clocks, we pounded people. We've made a pretty dramatic change in that regard. We went from 21st in the league in transition points per to number one in the league in transition. We went from last year playing transition 12.7% of our possessions up to 14.6. It's not a crazy number. 16th in the league. We're not like a high-paced team or anything. We're just efficient the most efficient when we do it. But if you go back like five or six years ago, we were playing 10% of our possessions in the transition and we've jumped that pretty dramatically. Right now we're playing probably, you know, two more transition possessions than we did a year ago, um, which is great. Like that's matters. The other one we did that changed who we were kind of with a kind of transformation is our offensive rebounding. 
Uh, we're number one in the league off. Uh, let me make sure I have this right. Actually, I have that in tra- putbacks. Here we go. Uh, we're, we are nine. Uh, how many points your score per 100 missed field goals were ninth best in the league at taking advantage of that? We get the set night and we get the ninth most amount of plays. We're not actually crazy efficient on it. We were actually more efficient a year ago. We're just about two or about one and a half, two plays a game more. We're grabbing an extra possession there um, than we usually um, do. So I thought that was um, a really, really impressive. Those two little subtle changes. The second part is. We have accentuated what makes us great. And what makes this team great, and we've talked about it for a long time, is the catch and shoot three. Um, we are an elite, elite shooting team. And actually, it become elite shooting team both off the dribble and on catch and shoots. But the numbers on what we are as a catch and shoot team, when you're preparing for us the way we just talked about, Steph, this is what you have to prepare for. Uh, Joe Ingles, catch and shoot. 49%. George Niang, 44%. Donovan Mitchell, 43%. Mike Conley, 41%. Royce O'Neal, 39%. Boyan Bogdanovich, five a game, 39%. Jordan Clarkson, four catch and shoots a game, 37%. That's incredible. Our off the bounce game got better and more active. It's not an easy shot. It's the off the bounce three is the one that's transforming the game right now more than anything else. Um, but it's and it's an incredible difficult shot. Donovan takes six of them a game at thirty six percent. Jordan takes five of them a game at thirty three percent. You're hovering around the line of not being you know you'd like that number to be higher. Mike Conley, you go under on the pick and roll. He plays off the bounce forty two percent. Joe Ingles, off the bounce, 41%. That's where his game's changed so dramatically. Boyan, one dribble to his right, settle himself, 38%. So George Niang and Royce O'Neal really are pure catch-and-shoot guys. They don't have that aspect of their game. Um, that is uh, the stuff that makes these guys really special. And then the fat, the next part is kind of the shot clock distribution of their shooting, of what they've done in the shot clock and their willingness to go get those shots off. If you look at the 18 to 22 part of the shot clock, uh, so we're now, you know, Steph Curry takes the most of any player in the NBA early in the shot clock. He takes three threes a game. Uh, Jordan Clarkson takes the sixth most of anyone in the game at two a game. And Jordan makes 43% of his three-point shots early in the shot clock. Like that's let him get that shot early in the shot clock and play, that's when he's at his best. That 33 and those other things are late in the shot clock when he has to force it. Boyan gets about one and a half a game at 44%. Donovan, 38%. Joe Ingles won a game at 52%. Joe Ingles, I had a data point last year. Joe Ingles in the first like six, eight seconds of the shot clock is the best shooter in the NBA. Like he's got to get, this will be the key change for Joe. He's been going back to get the ball. He's got to get out with Mike and Donovan and get those early threes into the playoffs away from the ball. I mean, Don, you listen to Joe, even I listened to him in an interview the other day. I think it might've been on Duncan Robinson's podcast. Um, 
and Joe, you know, he really, I like, you know, he likes to come back, get the ball play. He's not a ball like that. He talked about it. He's like, I'm not a pure shooter like you, Duncan. That's what Joe's natural instinct is to go back and get the ball. He's got to go out um, and get it. All right, so why are we great? Change in pace and grabbing extra possessions. Collection of fabulous shooters, both off the bounce and catch and shoot, as well as early in the shot clock. Multiple pick and roll ball handlers. We have three elite-level pick-and-roll ball handlers in Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, and Donovan Mitchell. And all of these things have allowed us to play better against multiple different defensive types. When we've played switching defenses versus drop-big defenses versus blitzing, if you blitz us, we kill you. We've now adapted and be able to play. The, the one we'll probably struggle the most with is switching, but we now have Mike Donovan and Jordan all to go one-on-one, and the, that's what the Warriors would do to us if we play them. Memphis is going to drop the big, dramatically force us to take those off-the-bounce threes. We now have that game and have built that and learned how to play that better. Uh, then, something I've talked about a lot, Probably, you know, you're listening to some of this if you're a long-time listener to the show, and you're like, okay, Locke, I've, I've heard all this from you a lot, but I thought there was some value to kind of review this as we get ready for the list. Our defensive shot distribution to me is really a special thing to this team. So we're the only team in the NBA in the top five denying shots at the rim, and the only team in the league in the top five denying threes, and we're the number one team in the league denying corner threes. So we only allow opponents to take 30% of their shots at the rim. The league average is 33. Doesn't sound like a lot, but let's just take for a second. Just let me just kind of put this in perspective. If you take 80 shots a night and you're taking 30% of them at the rim, you're taking 24% of the shots at the rim. 24 shots at the rim. If you're taking 33% of your shots at the rim, like league average, you're taking 26. So we take two shots a night just by Rudy's presence and our system and move them from rim shots to mid-range shots. Well, a rim shot is 1.3 points per shot and a mid-range shot is 0.8. So that's 0.5 points every time we move a shot from away from the rim into the mid-range. At 0.5 points per shot, three times, two and a half times a night, that's one and a half points a game just on our shot distribution. You think that doesn't, like, that matters. On threes, the league average is 36% of all shots are threes. Okay? So if we take 80 shots a game, the league average is you're taking 29, 33-point shots a night. If you're playing the Jazz, instead of getting your 29, 33-point shots a game, you're getting 26. Okay, so that's, again, that's three a night that we're moving from threes into mid-range shots. The average three right now is being made at 1.1 points per shot. The mid-range, so that's another point. Now our defensive shot distribution is worth 2.5 shots per game. The last little piece on this is the league average is 39% of threes are are corner or league average of shots is 9% of all shots are corner threes. We're only allowing six. The corner three is worth 1.2 points. So that's even just a little bit more. 
So our defense alone is saving us two, three points a game just on shot distribution. Then add in that if Rudy defends 20 of your 80 shots a night that you take against us, because he defends the most shots, and if Rudy defends you, you're holding 14 percentage points lower if you're within six feet, and if you're anywhere on the floor, it's seven percentage points lower, we get another point or two right there. So that's the impact. And those are all the reasons why I think the Jazz are great. All right, I thought we just, hopefully you enjoyed that. Just kind of a good refresher. Quinn Snyder and I had a really interesting post game, uh, last Coaches Show of the Year, so I'm going to have that for you next. Just let you hear it. I thought it was kind of a review of the season a little bit and some things of that nature. I thought it was terrific. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Apologies, I'm getting struck by allergies brutally right now. Uh, Built Bar, birthday cake with sprinkles. Sprinkles! Scoop, there it is is out with sprinkles. Birthday cake is out right now, plus the nine other flavors. All Built Bar it's come with just 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, four net carbs, four sugars, 17 grams of protein. Absolutely. I've been living off my coconut brownie ones recently. Uh, great middle-of-the-day snack. Had them for lunch the other day, which is not great. You should just, like, but, you know, eat real food every now and then like for real meals but like these are amazing because they're basically candy bars and they're protein bars and they're good for you and they're only 140 calories and they're 17 grams and if you use the promo code locked 15 you get 15 percent off it's out right now it's birthday cake with sprinkles at builtbar.com all right let's take a check of our betonline.ag lines see what they think about tonight's eastern conference playing game see who's gonna throw the next no hitter wow Baseball's crazy right now. Nobody can hit. Uh, all right, here are the series odds. The Oh, they do not have Lakers' Suns up yet. Clippers are minus 400 to the Mavericks plus 320. Bucks are minus 300. Nets are minus 1,300. Wow. Blazers are minus... 118. Nuggets are minus 102. So that's basically a pick em. And the Hawks are minus 122. Knicks are plus 102. So if you bet 100, you win 102. The NBA games today. Wizards are a three and a half point favorite. And the Golden State Warriors are only a three and a half point favorite right now at home against the Grizz. Lakers are underdog at Phoenix. That's interesting. You win game one of a series, you have a really good chance. Denver's a one-point favorite over Portland. BetOnline.ag. Go get get in the action. Have fun during the playoffs. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. Get a 50% welcome bonus. That's free money. 50% welcome bonus. All right, here is my conversation with Quinn Snyder. Uh... On the final game of the season, which I thought was a season retrospective, and I thought he had some interesting comments about what was coming in the playoffs. When you look at this season, you spent a lot of time from the stoppage of play into the bubble to kind of reconstruct this team, and then you got the bubble sample size. When in this season did you realize what you were trying to put together was the right answer for this group? You know, I thought we felt it during the preseason. Um you know, because of the way that we played. And then 
really be, because it had been something you'd been thinking about for a long time. You know, it wasn't just when play stopped. It just, when play stopped, we were able to kind of, kind of conceptually sever some of the things we were doing from some of the things we wanted to, to do more of. You know, it, it, they weren't necessarily things we hadn't done as much as things we we wanted to emphasize and essentially double down on. And it's, it's what we need to do in the next couple of weeks as well. So I think really early, um, the way we played against Portland in the first game was, you know, affirmation. But, I, you know, again, like I said, even the preseason and practice when we started talking, you know, about about wit runs, you know, 12-0 runs, 10-0 runs. And the idea is, you, you know, you can't have a 12-0 run and you, if you don't get stops. Um, but understanding that those stops, that means transition. And if we run and push the ball and throw ahead, that we can get threes and we're capable of making them. So I, I think that, you know, that formula, for example, you know, for lack of a better word, is something that um, I think our guys had bought into already. It just hadn't played itself out yet. If I had told you at the beginning of the year you were going to set an NBA record for most threes made in a season, would have you said sure? Or would have you thought I was nuts? Um, I, I don't think I would have thought you were nuts, but I, I certainly would have felt like that's what we need to do to win. And I'd be curious if we did that, you know, what you know, what we'd look like from a game to game win loss perspective. And but I, I, I probably would have been happy because I felt like we knew at that point what, what that meant to our team. What have you been able to do defensively to be able to be in non-blowout times the number one defensive team in the NBA? Well, I, I think sometimes there's a misconception about a defense that isn't, you know, we think of good defenses as being super aggressive and hard to play against. And I, I think we have to be solid. I, I think we were, we're better on the perimeter as far as just being more disciplined, more containment, um, keeping the ball out of the paint. And, and that, I think, has to do with people learning to play with each other defensively. We talk a lot about that offensively. If you look at Mike and Rudy this year, that's a good example. Um, and then, you know, we play – our what we're trying to accomplish defensively is, is often a little different than other teams. So you can um, – misinterpret some of the numbers you know we're 30th in the league in forcing turnovers and you know you never want to be 30th in anything I, I wish we were higher than that <laughs> but that that's a you know there's an opportunity cost to us doing that because it takes us out of position and you know we're not a big long team so we're more you know we have to be fundamental and position oriented and, and the biggest thing is just understanding you know Rudy's dominance and trying to allow him uh, even more freedom to make plays and to make multiple effort plays. And I think, you know, crossing that threshold, even for him and for our other players, um, you know, that, that's been a big thing. You know, it, it's a little bit like, you know, on offense, if you have good shooters, you need to shoot more threes. And for us on defense, if you have the defensive player in the year who's, who's that dominant, you need to figure out how to get him more involved in each play and not just acquiesce if people are trying to do things to neutralize them, but go ahead and adjust on their adjustments. Congratulations on a fabulous season and best of luck getting this one. And remarkably, if you get this one, it will set 
your own personal high for wins in a season in a 72 game season. So congratulations. If you achieve that tonight. I, I, uh, thank you. And we'll focus on getting tonight okay. and uh, worry about the rest later. Thanks. Thanks coach. Thought the comment about doubling down, thought some insight there on how the season played out. Thought the interesting, I knew we'd have to, that's how we'd have to do to have to win. Really interesting comments there from Quinn Center. All right, enjoy Eastern Conference playing game. We'll be back with you tomorrow, getting ready for Memphis Warriors, and then we finally get to go Sunday. I will have a special Saturday locked on for you this week uh, before the Jazz and whomever they play on Sunday. Thanks very much for tuning in. Locked on Lakers, locked on Warriors, amazing. Also, of course, listen to today's edition of Locked On Today. See ya.